0: Good morning, siblings. Today's reading is Luke chapters 10 through 11, Rabbit Trails. In the earlier Gospels of Matthew and Luke, as well as Luke 9, we recall that Jesus sent the twelve apostles, which, of course, just happens to be the same number of the original tribes of Israel. Our God is indeed a God of patterns. The sending of 70 is new in Luke, no other reference to it in the Gospels. Now, some versions translate the number to 70 and others seventy-two. That is a rabbit hole in itself. The 70 does seem to follow the pattern of Moses and what he did with the 70 elders in Numbers 11, verses 16 through 25. Another rabbit trail. In Hebrew, you'll recall that 70 symbolizes the number of completion. Think of it as the equivalent in our time of someone saying, He gave 100%. Also, when 70 is used to describe a number of family members, It can be used to mean that someone brought their entire family, as I believe is likely the case in Exodus 1-5. You can check that out to kind of see what I'm talking about in context. Moving on, in Luke 10 verses 3-12, we read, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. These instructions are essentially the same given in Luke 9 verses 1 through 6. There are two things I want to stress in terms of their importance. Number one, Messiah said this. That means it is important. Take some time to turn them over in your mind and consider their application in life today. Number two, everyone makes a choice and they are responsible for that choice. However, we are responsible for any behavior on our part that causes others to reject the word of Yahweh. And that realization should have a serious impact on our daily conduct, including how much time we spend in the Word. At the start of Luke ten we see Messiah send the seventy out, and in Luke ten seventeen we see them return with joy at their success. I can't help but wonder how much time must have passed between those verses. In Luke ten seventeen through twenty, Messiah reminded the Seventy not to rejoice in their power over the enemy, but to rejoice that their names are written in heaven. I see this as a subtle reminder to keep our eyes on the Father. Today, we come upon the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verses 25-37. through Most people take this at face value, not understanding what this meant in context of the culture. I made a video explaining the much deeper meaning behind this story, and you'll find it in the post today. Scripture references to check out that are in line with my video are also listed before it. Now, in Luke 10:38 through 42, we read, "Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet Rabbis of the day would not allow women to study Torah or attend their schools. However, we see in these passages that Messiah both accepts and blesses Mary's desire to learn. To sit at the feet of a rabbi meant that a person was a disciple of that teacher. We tend to read this as a sweet gesture, but in the context and culture of the time, it was nothing short of radical. Now go back and read Luke 8 verses 1 through 3 and see if it has more meaning to you. Tragically, the Church has a history of looking more to out-of-context Paul on how to treat women than we do to our God and our Messiah. Of course, this manner of treatment of women is not without its cheerleaders. As recently as last year, John MacArthur, when asked what he thought about Beth Moore, stated that she should go home the crowd responded with laughter and applause as he went on to continue to mock her. Historically, though, we must remember that support for slavery, racism, and even the mass murder of Yahweh's chosen people as recently as within this last century came from within the church and also to applause. It is vital that we take what other believers do with a grain of salt and order our own behavior instead, after the word of Yahweh. Messiah teaches us to pray. In Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, we read Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day, each day, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, Luke's telling of this prayer is a little shorter than Matthew's telling of it in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. But the differences are very minor and can certainly be understood as being one man's memory compared to another. Of course, since Messiah is saying this, every word is precious. However, I want to break it down to principles being taught here. First and foremost, we are shown reverence and respect for Yahweh. Notice that Messiah is praying to no one else. Nowhere in the Bible are we encouraged or even given permission to pray to anyone other than our Messiah and Yahweh. In fact, praying to anyone else is unquestionably condemned by the Father. Again, many will excuse this by the intent of their own heart or that it seems right in their mind for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, what we think does not govern what the Father thinks. Next, it reminds us that we are relying on the Father for our daily portion in life. This is true whether it is for any of our basic needs, our jobs, our families, etc. Our sustenance truly comes from the Father, and our full reliance as well as gratitude should be directed to Him. Third, we are sinners. We sin daily. We should repent daily and seek Him as we constantly work to become hearers and doers each and every day. Yep. I used the W word, so I have to issue the disclaimer because we've been programmed to be triggered whenever we hear work, to think, salvation by works, run! So please notice that I did not say we're saved by works. However, if we do nothing other than say we believe in Messiah, with no fruit coming from that declaration, we are lowering the bar so much that all we can hope for is to hang out with the demons who also believe he's the Messiah. What is the root of our salvation? Messiah, belief, repentance, grace. What is the fruit of our salvation? Obedience, change, seeking him daily through his word, by not just reading it, but living it. We've talked about this a lot, and we'll cover this more in James, so I'll leave it at that. Fourth, if we expect to be forgiven for our sins, we have to first give that forgiveness to others even if we don't want to. That don't want to part is our flesh. The want to part that seeks the Father and desires His will over our own is the Holy Spirit within us. Following Yahweh is about learning to give the Holy Spirit more time at the mic than we do the earthly flesh. Lastly, we need to recognize that in order to grow, in order to be strengthened, we will pass through the refiner's fire. We won't face a temptation that we cannot overcome if we're seeking daily to live within the Spirit. But we do need to anticipate this and keep our sword sharpened. I believe this part of the prayer is asking Him to help us cling to His hand when He is refining us, and partly a plea for the Father to help us avoid things of this world that could lead us astray. Similar to David's plea in Psalm 141.4, that says do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deed in company with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their delicacies so here is my summary number 1 we are being taught reverence and respect for yahweh and his holiness number 2 our portion comes from the father in all things number 3 we are sinners and as such we must repent and seek him daily And number four, if we seek grace from the Father, we must be willing to give it to others. Lastly, number five, we are inclined to fall away and require the Father's help to avoid doing so. Y'all notice that I used the phrase, I believe that, in my lastly paragraph? I want to remind you that what I believe should bear little to no weight with you. We are each responsible for testing all things to His word. His word is the straight edge to which all else must line up, never the other way around sign of jonah in luke eleven twenty nine We've spoken at length on the importance of the sign of Jonah, so I'll simply state that it is vital we understand it in order to be found on the side of Messiah rather than on the side of errant, synthetic doctrine. Luke eleven verses fifty three through fifty four reads As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. This is an important passage when it comes to understanding the response of culture to Messiah and the motivation behind much of what is taking place in his interactions as he goes about his ministry. From Ricky, my husband, here's a few of his notes. Ricky says, there were two other verses that just really stood out to me. Luke 10 verses 23 through 24 reads, then turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And Luke eleven twenty eight 28 reads, but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Our Father is so good to us. He provides so much for the world to see, yet so many do not see it. Just think about what these men and women during Messiah's time were able to see. It wasn't just what they were seeing with their eyes, although some of that was quite spectacular. It was the teaching from our Savior and the understanding of His teachings. And the whole time He was teaching, it was His Father's, our Father's, word that was being taught. How blessed are those who hear his word and keep it. Thanks, Ricky. (laughs) You know, there's so much meat on these bones as our story rapidly comes to a close. Be encouraged. The hand of Yahweh is moving in our world, over our land, and in your life. Father, we come before you today and boldly ask that you remove all that does not honor you, including any remaining scales on our eyes. Burn out the desires of our flesh and replace them with the direction of your Holy Spirit so that we may bring glory to your name in every word and deed that comes from us. In Messiah Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.